The First Letter to the Corinthians, Chapter 7 through 11 from the Twentieth Century New Testament. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J. A. Carter, www.authenticlight.org. The Twentieth Century New Testament by a company of about twenty scholars. The First Letter to the Corinthians. Chapter 7 through 11. Chapter 7. With reference to the subjects about which you wrote to me, it would be well for a man to remain single, but owing to the prevalence of immorality, I advise every man to have his own wife, and every woman her husband. A husband should give his wife her due, and a wife her husband. It is not the wife, but the husband, who exercises power over her body. And so, too, it is not the husband, but the wife, who exercises power over his body. Do not deprive each other of what is due, unless it is only for a time, and by mutual consent, so that your minds may be free for prayer, till you again live as man and wife, lest Satan should take advantage of your want of self-control, and tempt you. I say this, however, as a concession, not as a command. I should wish every one to be just what I am myself, but every one has his own gift from God, one in one way, and one in another. My advice, then, to those who are not married, and to widows, is this. It would be well for them to remain as I am myself. But if they cannot control themselves, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to be consumed with passion. To those who are married, my direction is, yet it is not mine, but the master's, that a woman is not to leave her husband. If she has done so, let her remain as she is, or else be reconciled to her husband and also that a man is not to divorce his wife. To all others, I say, I, not the master, if a brother is married to a woman who is an unbeliever, but willing to live with him, he should not divorce her. And a woman who is married to a man who is an unbeliever, but willing to live with her, should not divorce her husband. For through his wife, the husband, who is an unbeliever, has become associated with Christ's people. And the wife, who is an unbeliever, has become associated with Christ's people through our brother, whom she has married. Otherwise your children would be defiled, but as it is, they belong to Christ's people. However, if the unbeliever wishes to be separated, let him be so. Under such circumstances neither the brother nor the sister is bound. God has called you to live in peace. How can you tell, wife, whether you may not save your husband? And how can you tell, husband, whether you may not save your wife? In any case, a man should continue to live in the condition which the Lord has allotted to him, and in which he was when God called him. This is the rule that I lay down in every church. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? Then he should not efface his circumcision. Has a man been called when uncircumcised? Then he should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and want of it is nothing, but to keep the commands of God is everything. Let every one remain in that condition of life in which he was when the call came to him. Were you a slave when you were called? Do not let that trouble you. No, even if you are able to gain your freedom, still do your best. For the man who was a slave when he was called to the master's service is the master's freedman. So too the man who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought, and the price was paid. Do not let yourselves become slaves to men. Brothers, let every one remain in the condition in which he was when he was called, in close communion with God. With regard to unmarried women, I have no command from the Master to give you, but I tell you my opinion, and it is that of a man whom the Master in his mercy has made worthy to be trusted. 
I think, then, that in view of the time of suffering that has now come upon us, what I have already said is best, that a man should remain as he is. Are you married to a wife? Then do not seek to be separated. Are you separated from a wife? Then do not seek for a wife. Still, if you should marry, that is not wrong. Nor, if a young woman marries, is that wrong. But those who marry will have much trouble to bear, and my wish is to spare you. What I mean, brothers, is this. The time is short. Meanwhile, let those who have wives live as though they had none, those who are weeping as if not weeping, those who are rejoicing as if not rejoicing, those who buy as if not possessing, and those who use the good things of the world as using them sparingly. For this world, as we see it, is passing away. I want you to be free from anxiety. The unmarried man is anxious about the master's cause, desiring to please him while the married man is anxious about worldly matters, desiring to please his wife, and so his interests are divided. Again, the unmarried woman, whether she is old or young, is anxious about the master's cause, striving to be pure both in body and in spirit, while the married woman is anxious about worldly matters, desiring to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not with any intention of putting a halter around your necks, but in order to secure for the master seemly and constant devotion, free from all distraction. If, however, a father thinks that he is not acting fairly by his unmarried daughter when she has passed her youth, and if under these circumstances her marriage ought to take place, let him act as he thinks right. He is doing nothing wrong. Let the marriage take place. On the other hand, a father who has definitely made up his mind and is under no compulsion, but is free to carry out his own wishes, and who has come to the decision in his own mind to keep his unmarried daughter at home, will be doing right. In short, the one who consents to his daughter's marriage is doing right, and yet the other will be doing better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if the husband should pass to his rest, the widow is free to marry any one she wishes, provided he is a believer. Yet she will be happier if she remains as she is, in my opinion, for I think that I also have the Spirit of God. Chapter 8 With reference to food that has been offered in sacrifice to idols, we are aware that all of us have knowledge. Knowledge breeds conceit, while love builds up character. If a man thinks that he knows anything, he has not yet reached that knowledge which he ought to have reached. On the other hand, if a man loves God, he is known by God. With reference, then, to eating food that has been offered to idols, we are aware that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no God but one. Even supposing that there are so-called gods, either in heaven or on earth, and there are many such gods and lords. Yet for us there is only one God, the Father, from whom all things come, and for him we live, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things come, and through him we live. Still, it is not everyone that has this knowledge. Some people, because of their association with idols, continued down to the present time, eat the food as food offered to an idol, and their consciences, while still weak, are dulled. What we eat, however, will not bring us nearer to God. We lose nothing by not eating this food, and we gain nothing by eating it. But take care that this right of yours does not become in any way a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone should see you who possess this knowledge feasting in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is a weak man, become so hardened that he too will eat food offered to idols? And so, through this knowledge of yours, the weak man is ruined, your brother for whose sake Christ died. 
In this way, by sinning against your brothers and injuring their consciences while still weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat makes my brother fall, rather than make my brother fall, I will never eat meat again. Chapter 9 Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen our Lord Jesus? Are not you yourselves my work achieved in union with the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet at least I am to you, for you are the seal that stamps me as an apostle in union with the Lord. The defense that I make to my critics is this. Have not we a right to food and drink? Have not we a right to take a wife with us, if she is a Christian, as the other apostles and the master's brothers and Kephas all do? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to give up working for our bread? Does anyone ever serve as a soldier at his own expense? Does anyone plant a vineyard and not eat its produce? Or does anyone look after a herd and not drink the milk? Am I, in all this speaking only from the human standpoint, does not the law also say the same? For in the law of Moses it is said, Thou shalt not muzzle a bullock while it is treading out the grain. Is it the bullocks that God is thinking of, or is it not said entirely for our sakes? Surely it was written for our sakes, for the plowman ought not to plough nor the thrasher to thrash without expecting a share of the grain. Since we then sowed spiritual seed for you, is it too much that we should reap from you an earthly harvest? If others share in this right over you, do not we even more? Still, we did not avail ourselves of this right. No, we endure anything rather than impede the progress of the good news of the Christ. Do not you know that those who do the work of the temple live on what comes from the temple, and that those who serve at the altar share the offerings with the altar? So too the Master has appointed that those who tell the good news should get their living from the good news. I, however, have not availed myself of any of these rights. I am not saying this to secure such an arrangement for myself. Indeed, I would far rather die. Nobody shall make my boast a vain one. If I tell the good news, I have nothing to boast of, for I can but do so. Woe is me if I do not tell it. If I do this work willingly, I have a reward. But if unwillingly, I have been charged to perform a duty. What is my reward then? To present the good news free of all cost, and so make but a sparing use of the rights which it gives me. Although I was entirely free, yet to win as many converts as possible I made myself every one's slave. To the Jews I became like a Jew, to win Jews. To those who are subject to law I became like a man subject to law, though I was not myself subject to law, to win those who are subject to law. To those who have no law I became like a man who has no law. Not that I am free from God's law, no, I am under Christ's law, to win those who have no law. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so at all costs to save some. And I do everything for the sake of the good news, that with them I may share in its blessings. Do not you know that on a race course, though all run, yet only one wins the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Every athlete exercises self-restraint in everything. They indeed for a crown that fades, we for one that is unfading. I therefore run with no uncertain aim. I box, not like a man hitting the air. No, I bruise my body and make it my slave, lest I, who have called others to the contest, should myself be rejected. Chapter 10 I want you to bear in mind, brothers, that all our ancestors were beneath the cloud, and all passed through the sea, that in the cloud and in the sea they all underwent baptism as followers of Moses. 
and that they all ate the same supernatural food and all drank the same supernatural water, for they used to drink from a supernatural rock which followed them, and that rock was the Christ. Yet with most of them God was displeased, for they were struck down in the desert. Now these things happened as warnings to us, to teach us not to long for evil things as our forefathers longed. Do not become idolaters as some of them became. Scripture says, The people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to dance. Nor let us act immorally as some of them acted, with the result that twenty-three thousand of them fell dead in a single day. Nor let us try the patience of the Lord too far, as some of them tried it, with the result that they were one after another destroyed by the snakes. And do not murmur, as some of them murmured, and so were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them by way of warning, and were recorded to serve as a caution to us, in whose days the close of the ages has come. Therefore let the man who thinks that he stands take care that he does not fall. No temptation has come upon you that is not common to all mankind. God will not fail you, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your strength, but when he sends the temptation he will also provide the way of escape, so that you may have strength to endure. Therefore, my dear friends, shun the worship of idols. I speak to you as men of discernment. Form your own judgment about what I am saying. In the cup of blessing which we bless, is not there a sharing in the blood of the Christ? And in the bread which we break, is not there a sharing in the body of the Christ? The bread is one, and we, though many, are one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Look at the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices share with the altar? What do I mean, you ask? That an offering made to an idol, or the idol itself, is anything? No. What I say is that the sacrifices offered by the Gentiles are being offered to demons and to a being who is no god, and I do not want you to share with demons. You cannot drink both the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake at the table of the Lord and at the table of demons. Or are we to rouse the jealousy of the Lord? Are we stronger than he? Everything is allowable, yes, but everything is not profitable. Everything is allowable, yes, but everything does not build up character. A man must not study his own interests, but the interests of others. Eat anything that is sold in the market without making inquiries to satisfy your scruples, for the earth with all that is in it belongs to the Lord. If an unbeliever invites you to his house and you consent to go, Eat anything that is put before you, without making inquiries to satisfy your scruples. But if any one should say to you, This has been offered in sacrifice to an idol, then for the sake of the speaker and his scruples, do not eat it. I do not say your scruples, but his. For why should the freedom that I claim be condemned by the scruples of another? If for my part I take the food thankfully, why should I be abused for eating that for which I give thanks? Whether, then, you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do everything to the honor of God. Do not cause offense either to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. For I also try to please everybody in everything, not seeking my own advantage, but that of men in general, that they may be saved. Imitate me, as I myself imitate Christ. Chapter 11 I praise you indeed, because you never forget me, and are keeping my injunctions in mind exactly as I laid them upon you. But I am anxious that you should understand that the Christ is the head of every man, that man is the head of woman, and that God is the head of the Christ. Any man who keeps his head covered when praying or preaching in public dishonors him who is his head. 
while any woman who prays or preaches in public bareheaded dishonors him who is her head for that is to make herself like one of the shameless women who shave their heads indeed if a woman does not keep her head covered she may as well cut her hair short but since to cut her hair short or shave it off marks her as one of the shameless women let her keep her head covered a man ought not to have his head covered for he has been from the beginning the likeness of god and the reflection of his glory but the woman is the reflection of man's glory for it was not man who was taken from woman but woman who was taken from man besides man was not created for the sake of woman but woman for the sake of man and therefore a woman ought to wear on her head a symbol of her subjection because of the presence of the angels still when in union with the lord woman is not independent of man or man of woman for just as woman came from man so man comes by means of woman and all things come from god judge for yourselves is it fitting that a woman should pray to god in public with her head uncovered does not nature herself teach us that while for a man to wear his hair long is degrading to him a woman's long hair is her glory her hair has been given her to serve as a covering if however anyone still thinks it right to contest the point well we have no such custom nor have the churches of god in giving directions on the next subject i cannot praise you because your meetings do more harm than good to begin with i hear that when you meet as a church divisions exist among you and to some extent i believe it indeed there must be actual parties among you for so only will the men of real worth become known when you meet together as i understand it is not possible to eat the lord's supper for as you eat each of you tries to secure his own supper first with the result that one has too little to eat and another has too much to drink have you no houses in which you can eat and drink or are you trying to show your contempt for the church of god and to humiliate the poor what can i say to you shall i praise you in this matter i cannot praise you for i myself received from the lord the account which i have in turn given to you how the lord jesus on the very night of his betrayal took some bread and after saying the thanksgiving broke it and said this is my own body given on your behalf do this in memory of me and in the same way with the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant made by my blood do this whenever you drink it in memory of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death till he comes therefore whoever eats the bread or drinks the lord's cup in an irreverent spirit will have to answer for an offence against the lord's body and blood let each man look into his own heart and only then eat of the bread and drink from the cup for the man who eats and drinks brings a judgment upon himself by his eating and drinking when he does not discern the body that is why so many among you are weak and ill and why some are sleeping but if we judged ourselves rightly we should not be judged yet in being judged by the lord we are undergoing discipline so that we may not have judgment passed upon us with the rest of the world therefore my brothers when you meet together to eat the supper wait for one another if a man is hungry let him eat at home so that your meetings may not bring a judgment upon you the other details i will settle when i come end of chapter 7 through 11